This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. Welcome to another episode of Vet Candy's podcast in Other News, a podcast to expand your idea of what is impacting the veterinary world, veterinarians, and all animal care professionals as humans. We are your co-hosts, Dr. Jen. And Dr. Jason Chatfield. If you are not yet a Vet Candy subscriber, why not? Please subscribe for free today at myvetcandy.com. If you also want to shout out to uh, Dr. Jason and me, you can reach us at jen at myvetcandy.com. Or Jason at myvetcandy.com. Great. Our topic today is happy veterinary visit. In other news, pets and owners can enjoy a vet visit? No okay. way. Yeah. I mean, I'm ready to hear some great tips on that. I don't know about you, Jason, but I've seen some um, some dogs that don't necessarily want to be there. Never. I mean, well, never, but rarely see a cat who wants to be there. Where I was going to say cats are... Uh, Cats are an interesting breed when they get to the clinic, for sure. Oh, yes. They're special. And there's there's a very, very narrow swath of owners who were ecstatic to walk into my exam room, right? (laughs) That's that's true. Yes, yes. Okay. So, luckily, there were smarter people than us out there. Very few. Let's make that clear. There's very few smarter people than us. (laughs) But luckily today... We found one. Yeah, we found one. We found one. So... Dr. Kat Prim is joining us today. Dr. Kat, how you doing? I am doing great. And I was going to say, cats don't mind being in my exam room. Ooh. Well, then I think we just get right to it. How on earth did you manage that? Yeah. Well, I still have some cats that are afraid, of course, but I make a point to not push the cat to the point where it feels like it needs to defend itself. Mm -hmm. But I also have some ideas for ways to make that happen. And I call it be an animal that all the veterinary professionals think like an animal and consider the way the cat or even the dog might perceive your veterinary environment. So I think that that is a good framework for starting to make vet visits better. Okay, Dr. Prim, I can't go whole hog, pun intended, whole hog, as you clearly haven't changed my name to Dr. Dog, because you're Dr. (laughs) Cat. Is that why you, did you start off ahead of us? That's what I'm thinking. Well, I think you need to talk to my parents because they (laughs) named me this. And then okay. they subsequently said you have to be a feline lover, right? That's correct. And you have to yeah, have it the was best an exam room for cats. Yeah, it was, you, right? understood. Right. it was understood. It was understood. It was understood. So I guess we're going to maybe hear some tips from you, maybe like, uh, I don't know, some five tips. But he, I, wait, wait, I digress. Hang on. Stop the bus. Stop the bus, news hounds. I would like to know, Dr. Cat, where are you coming to us from today? Where are you located? I am in Tennessee. In Tennessee. Okay. So I think that we should probably go ahead and make sure everyone's aware that you're in Tennessee and you have a lovely exam room, clearly, as you mentioned. I am at the farm and Candyverse, prepare yourselves. Dr. Jason has exited the basement. I exited the basement. I came to the surface. Now I'm uh, in in Miami, but not in the basement. We'll just leave it at that. Not in the basement. Graduated out of the basement. Already a friendlier place. Already a friendlier place. So before you get to your tips, are these going to be tips for me as a practitioner or for 
owners to do or am I supposed to give a memo to the pets? Like who are these tips going to be for? Well, they are for anyone who is a human and can listen to them. And it is just sort of a framework for considering the way a pet might perceive anything. It doesn't have to be a veterinary hospital per se. It could be anything, any stressful or potentially stressful event. So I like to divide it into the animal's senses. And the first sense that a pet uses when they perceive something is their sight or maybe not the first but the first one I'm going to talk about <laughs> is the way we look or uh -huh. appear to the pets okay now I have to worry about the cat's opinion of my fashion choices for a Tuesday is that what you're telling me well how does your environment look you know, if, if someone's coming in to your animal hospital and they've got their cat in a box and they set the box down and mm -hmm. the second client's nosy pug is mm. sneaking and snorting right in the door of the cat carrier or, or maybe maybe there is a dog that is lunging and barking. I mean, you know, what does that look like to a cat to be yes, back yes, into Dr. a corner Jane. that way? It's what she's saying is stop being such a narcissist. It's not all about you. Oh. There's much more involved than what oh. you as a veterinarian looks like. I think that's a okay. very good point and well-made. So okay, it's all the entire funny. environment. I love that totally appropriate description of the pug seeing the world with their nose first, right? Snarfling, <laughs> snooting into the crate. That's excellent point. Yeah, I, even, I'm not a cat and I don't think I would enjoy that. But what about the pug? So you're telling me now uh, also I should kind of look at it through the pug's eyes? Also, I, yeah, I, I think that you should. I've even encouraged people to go through their animal hospital or their environment and maybe even take their cell phone on a selfie stick or something and put it down at the level the pet sees and look at stuff that could be a threat. Are there things that look scary? Are the assistants, like for example, on Halloween, my assistants love to wear costumes and headgear and things. And I'm like, mm -hmm. nah, I, don't, I don't think that that's a really good idea when we're seeing patients because that uh -huh. seems scary Different. to puppies and kittens yeah. and, you know, just animals. Oh, yeah. They don't like it, change. Yeah, they don't. Well, neither do humans, frankly. <laughs> but... <laughs> However, you know, you, you, you're right on because I've seen dogs that are that are perfectly happy with a person and the person puts on a baseball cap and they flip out. The whole, uh, world, right. whole world changes. Oh, yeah. Right. The whole world changes. Exactly. I'm not really sure that I want to get down on the floor level and see the dust bunnies that are <laughs> all over the place. But I do get your point. And so well, I, I, I think I, I, listen, hold on. Jen. I, I don't know. I think that's not a bad idea that I, I would probably not even have the selfie stick. I would make everyone get down and see it. You're expecting these animals to be comfortable. You might as well see what they see and put yourself physically, physically in their position. I think that's an excellent idea. Uh, and have the entire staff do that and then video it, of course. Uh, oh, video the staff and then yes, send secretly. it to yeah. myvetcandy.com. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Everyone crawling around looking, but that's a very good point. It is. Well, it is. So we made a video. We took one of my team members' dogs and we put a GoPro camera on his head oh and God. we walked him through the animal hospital and we did a mock. Here's what you see when you walk in the front door. Here's what you see when you go into the exam room. And we did a mock visit and oh. it was very eye-opening for me. It really yeah. was. This is why we said you were smarter than us. We, of course, would have been on the ground with our phones looking like a bunch of fools. And you just said, why not just use technology and put it on the dog or the cat? That's fantastic. Yes, that's awesome. All right. So we like your first one. That is an excellent, that's, that's excellent a great point. One. So far. 
That's a great one. Okay. And actually, I should mention to everybody that Dr. Prim is not just doing a podcast with us to talk about this, but in the Candyverse, we think that it's so important that pets and their owners enjoy the veterinary visit that there's actually a guide to happy customers um, that Vet Candy has out. And it's a free download, so you can download it for yourself. If you're a pet owner, you could take it to your veterinarian. That'd be a bold step that as an owner. Be pretty bold. Yeah. Or uh, as a veterinarian, you can download it, share it with your staff, get some ideas. It's at uh, myvetcandy.com slash happy. And Dr. Prim and uh, actually Vet Candy's own founder and CEO, Dr. Jill Lopez, worked on that together. So, all right. So number one, we have see your world as they see it. What's your second tip? Okay. The second way that I think is helpful is to hear the world the way they hear it. So have you ever been at work and maybe there's a dog dropped off in the treatment area or in the ICU that is going, and then you have a cat come in and the cat hears it and Mm. it's just ultra stressful. So you have to think about what do they hear? Do they hear your phones ringing crazily? Do they hear other patients vocalizing? Do they hear your team members on break in the back? singing or, you know, stomping, what do they hear? And I think that that is really important. And possibly, you know, what are your clients hearing too? And so that's important everywhere you go. I was at the dentist once sitting in the exam room and I love, I love my dentist. Nothing ever hurts. He's fabulous. And so is my hygienist, but you could hear the drill in the lobby and they were working on somebody. And then it sounded like somebody groaned or moaned or whatever. And then there was another noise, like a scream. I can't imagine what was going on back there. The dude got up and exited. Yeah. Exited the lobby. (laughs) I would too. That's crazy. He he was a no-show for his appointment because he couldn't handle the sound effects coming from the back. But I, th- so I think you just, I think you just made a point, right? And these poor yes. animals hear all these things and they think, you know, what on earth is happening? This is a, a scary place and they want to leave, but they can't. So they just yeah. get really stretched out. So exactly. That's a very, exactly. Yeah. Yes. And it puts them in a fight or flight situation where they feel oh, like yeah. they have to defend themselves. And that is a risky situation for everyone, for pet owners, mm-hmm. for the pet, obviously, and for the veterinary team, for an mm-hmm. animal to feel like it's going to have to defend itself. That's a bad situation. Oh, yeah, because they can't flee because, you know. So, uh, okay, great. Let's see. We've done sight. We've done hearing. And so what's next? What about what do they smell? So as as human beings, yes, you are. And I'm glad that you're picking up on that. So as human beings, we don't perceive smells the way pets do. But we do smell things. I mean, if you'd gone to your dentist office and it smelled terrible, I mean, if you smelled blood, wouldn't that have made it even worse? <laughs> oh my God, I would have left if I <laughs> or, smelled blood the dentist's office. Or rumen contents. <laughs> right, right. Well, okay. <laughs> Ooh, yikes. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So yeah. think yes. about it. You see, you see you Dr. Have- Jason, this is what I'm telling you about personal hygiene. Oh, okay? great. I, I, I don't know why you had to bring that up, but whatever. This is a podcast, not a smell cast All right. So, right. So think about the way you remember things that are associated with scents. Someone posted on Facebook that there is a new mural at my veterinary college in the large animal corridor. And when I saw that, I could smell DMSO in my memory. Yeah, of course. <laughs> right. so, so, I mean, we underestimate 
how important smell is to the way pets perceive. And on a side note, there are also chemicals that pets can perceive that are not specifically odors, but are pheromones. And that can make a huge difference as well. Like what? Do you got an example of one of those? I do. You know how when your cat is loving you and rubs on you, yes. rubs your rubs her face on you all nope. the time. Yeah, those nope. you I don't, don't have know that. that. No, <laughs> doesn't happen to me. Maybe his no cat idea. doesn't love him. Uh, yeah, no. Sad day. Okay. Go ahead. <laughs> but that's actually depositing a pheromone on you that identifies you as a treasured affiliate <gasps> or a safe place. Yeah. So I'm treasured. Yes treasure me and bruno mars right bruno sings about me because i'm treasure mm. yeah okay well, maybe this to is your cat maybe yes. maybe to your cat which is why we have cats and dogs <laughs> that's right okay interesting so these chemicals have been created in a lab in a, in a synthetic version. And we as veterinary professionals and pet owners can utilize this synthetic version of the pheromone to help mm -hmm. cats feel safe in places that we need them to be. So maybe they're a cat carrier, maybe the car, maybe the veterinary hospital. But we can take advantage of the science of pheromones to help mm -hmm. make anxiety better for pets. Excellent. So Excellent. listen, okay. I, I, I've heard about these things and, and used them or whatever, but what, and you think that they really work? Because there's a bit of controversy, I think, not controversy, but there's always the naysayers. Oh, they don't work. That's just people trying to get you to spend money, but you stand by it, correct? You say, use them. It, it doesn't hurt and will most likely improve your cats and dogs or just strictly cats? Behavior. Dogs and cats. You yeah. know what? I'm kind it's of sad. a... I'm a naysayer too. I'm really skeptical because I feel like there are lots of things out there, but this is not one of those things because I have seen this work and it doesn't work the same for every cat or every dog, but I have a Labrador retriever patient that she expresses her anxiety with hyperactivity and mm -hmm. hypervigilance. And I sprayed one of these synthetic pheromones on a bandana and I put it around her neck and it was instant I mean, what? I was even amazed. She wow. liked it instantly. And the owner said, oh, can I get some of that? <laughs> <laughs> right. Of course. Yes, we're bottling it and selling it out of the back. Yes. <laughs> Near the man employed as a carnival barker. No, I'm just yeah. kidding. <laughs> hey, so you guys, like what Dr. Cat, is there any smell? Because, you know, veterinarians, we have to smell everything, right? We got to smell all kinds of stuff. Are there any smells that you can't stand? Like what smell is that you can't stand? There are, and the things are things that I have associated negatively. So that's kind of my point. Like ah. um, think about, I don't know, all the veterinarians and veterinary professionals what, will relate like, to this. What, what is that smell, Dr. Prim? We're getting a oh. little personal. Tell me the smell. What about, I hate the smell of pseudomonas bandages. That is so oddly specific. But <laughs> yeah. Very true. Very <laughs> true. Right? I, I challenge you to find someone who likes that smell. Yeah. Who, exactly. doesn't, who doesn't hate that smell. That's, uh, Jason, that's true. any smell that makes you wretch? Any smell that makes me wretch associated with veterinaries, anything. animals, and veterinary Not medicine. Not just anything. Um, well, as soon as you brought DMSO up, I sort of I sort of started, you know, dry mm -hmm. heaving a little bit. Yeah. So. Yeah. So that, I think that, but I think that's more associated with school and the large animal <laughs> clinic. And I don't want to say bad things about it, but that brings up some difficult times in my life. Yeah. So. Yeah. It's true. It's true. It's true. All right. So now that we did the negative smell, what's the happy smell for you guys? Well, I like lavender. Oh. And, and actually, studies have shown that 
dogs like lavender too and cats possibly that those smells can be calming for pets now it's not like you're going to whip out a lavender plant and all of your patients are going to become catatonic it's not like that but it is something that might be calming that's easy to do and it causes no harm so yeah Yeah. i like that interesting very good jason yours Uh, besides chocolate well not anything chocolate of course but uh so like leather like I'm being serious here, like leather, leather smells yeah. great, right? A boot shop, a tax shop, not that I'm yeah. a cowboy, but anytime I pretend I am and go to a boot shop, it's fantastic. <laughs> I love it. So that's a little too personal for me. We can move on with some other stuff, but, uh, oh, look, no, no. What about, uh, what about a high end car with leather upholstery? Oh, of course. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. He's turning red now. Look at him. Look at him. Oh, y'all yeah. can't see him. He's the lovely shade of, um, chartreuse mm, right now. I don't even know. I don't even know what that is. Love it. Okay. All right. So back to uh, on task here, people. So so that uh, we can get through our yeah, tips. So the person who's asking us about smells. Great. Well, just asking because everybody has like you know, I've smelled a lot of stuff, right? And I can tolerate a lot of it, but there's two things, you know. And then everyone has a happy smell. I'm always interested in what people's happy smell is. So, all right. So we've done sight, hearing, and smell, and we're gonna take a quick break because when we come back. We're going to do the like the final two sense-based tips from Dr. Kat Prim. So hang in. we got to pay some bills. We'll be right back. When it comes to vaccines, you have a choice. Keep it clean with Ultra Duramune. These highly purified half-milliliter dose vaccines are designed to minimize the reactions associated with unwanted proteins and reduce discomfort. Keep the good, clean fun going with Ultra Duramune. Learn more at elaineco.us. That candy makes your life easier with scientific news, clinical updates, and expert lifestyle tips. Sign up for free at myfatcandy.com and start making your life sweeter. Oh, sure. It's all fun and games until someone ends up in a cone. That's right. We are animals. Deal with it. Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. Okay. We're talking with Dr. Kat Prim and talking about some ways to make happy veterinary visits for patients and for owners and for veterinarians, frankly. So we have two left. We've done sight, hearing, and smell. Dr. Prim, lay it on us. What's the next one? So what about taste? Okay, I don't like for patients to taste the veterinarian. I just think that I've already <laughs> lost the battle. <laughs> this is well, true. But I don't think, again, like, again, stop being such a narcissist. She, I don't believe she's talking about you. Okay? All right. Okay, okay. okay. What do well, you mean? About, Enlighten her, please. What about if they associate you with things that taste good? Like maybe you always have treats in your pocket because then you address more than one Mm -hmm. sense because they can smell the treats. Mm -hmm. My patients know I carry a basket Mm -hmm. and it's got treats in it and it's also got my stethoscope in it and some of the other things, my otoscope and stuff Mm -hmm. in there. And so that all of my tools smell like the treats and they all come from the basket with the treats. So if I walk into my exam room 
And it is a patient that I have seen before. They're happy to see me, which I take very personally, even though yeah. I realize that it's the basket. <laughs> I, I still feel like, you know, they're happy to see me. And, and, and it they are because, because you have the basket. Do That's not right. tell me otherwise. It's not the basket. It's me. So, yes, taste is something that we use to our advantage every single visit. Okay, but how many cats actually, because I have trouble with cats and my own cat. Like, she, well, she wouldn't take a treat from anybody, even me, hardly. She was weird. Like, cats at the vet, in my experience, they don't take treats very well. So, how do you, like, do you have cats that actually accept the treat from you? I do. I do have cats, especially if they have grown up seeing us. Sure. Yeah, so that they know that that's coming and they're anticipating that. Mm-hmm. Um, but with cats, sometimes the treats, you just have to try everything. There yeah. are toys and other stuff with cats that we can use. But yeah, if they okay. smell, you know, cheese, spreadable cheese, or they smell good things, it uh-huh. puts them in a better place emotionally, I think. The emotions of the cat. I love it. I love it. Things we cannot control, right? <laughs> the emotions of the cat. Okay, so... So we're down to the last, the last sense-based tip. So what is that? It's going to be touch, right? Because that's the only one left. Right. Very okay. good. Oh my Very gosh. Good. Do I get a treat for that? I think you I get a star for that. And a, a gold star. Yes. Excellent. Thank you. Okay. So, so what is that going to look like for us in the exam room? So I kind of modify touch a little bit and just say feel. What do they feel? We Uh have to do things to them as veterinarians that don't feel good. Mm -hmm. And that's that's a hurdle. So we use distraction when we're administering vaccines or injections, when we're doing things that might be perceived as not fun, then we just Mm -hmm. sort of displace that onto some of these other senses to distract Mm -hmm. from that. Interesting. And, you know, pediatricians do a lot of this stuff, too, because like if you're going to give a kid a shot, most kids, although I've met a few that stare at the like the, the administration site for the shot. Um, Jason, you know, some of them. And uh, I do. <laughs> and then others like me, I, you know, I can't look when they're giving it. But I have to, if I'm distracted, maybe I don't feel that poke. So I think that's a good. Point. How do you distract them? How do you distract a cat? While you're giving them an injection, what's one example of how you can do that with with other senses? Just pet them somewhere nice, scratch them on the chin, what? Well, first with cats, I always make sure that I let the cat choose where it's going to be. Some cats want to stay in their carrier, so I encourage all of my my cat owners to have a carrier that opens on the top so I can reach in and do what I've got to do. But I have a a window perch in the window of my cat exam room. And Uh very, very often my cats will sit there and there's a bird feeder right outside and watch the birds and not even notice the vaccines at all. So um, they're really brave. Cats are really brave, maybe braver than dogs. What? I think there's zero question about that. I don't even know how we're even bringing that up. <laughs> right. The least brave cat is braver than the bravest dog. I mean, there's just no question. Maybe, maybe, maybe. It's an so, adaptation, um, not a choice. Right. right. So let me so let me ask you this since you're on, because I know that uh, the market, so as, as a veterinarian, that the market has changed and we have this option for low volume vaccines. And I know we're talking a lot about about cats because, frankly, we're talking with Dr. Cat. But what do you think about that? Is that something that practitioners should consider or clients maybe should inquire if their veterinarian carries the the low-volume vaccines? Are those 
better? Or like, what do you think about that? Well, you know, I think it's all about the tools that you choose. And like I said, you know, having your stethoscope smell like easy cheese or, you know, those kinds of things. And I think (laughs) the type of vaccine that you choose could play a role as well. Choosing the lower volume ones could potentially be more comfortable. Definitely lower gauge needles and always change the needle. Uh Because by the time you've reconstituted a vaccine and punched through two rubber stoppers, it's not going to be as comfortable. So a new lower gauge needle, a vaccine that is high quality, ultra filtered, lower volume. Those are all things we could consider to be an animal and think about what this is like from our patient's point of view. But I think it's also important from the veterinary standpoint that we don't just get in kind of tunnel vision looking at what's comfortable for the patient. Because frankly, one of the things we do most often is, thank goodness, our preventive medicine or wellness visits, right? Where we're doing a lot of vaccination. We have a lot of preventive health tools available for pets. And so I think it's very important that we select not only one that's comfortable for the patient, but one that's proven, you know, proven efficacious, et cetera. Because, you know, in the candy verse, you guys are aware of my love for infectious disease, but also my firm allegiance to vaccine prevention. And so I think it's important that if you're going to pick a low volume vaccine in order to make it an easier administration and you're going to use the small gauge needles, as Dr. Prim suggests, I think it has to still be a proven efficacious vaccine. Wouldn't you say, Dr. Prim? Absolutely. It's not going to be using one in uh, an off-label sense. Use one that's proven and that is packaged and intended to be a lower volume vaccine. Absolutely. Yeah. Those are all interesting questions and it's nice to talk about science, but I have the really the most important question I think is on everybody's mind here. Are you ready? And and it's going to answer a lot of questions here. Prepare yourselves. Uh, All right, Dr. Prim, what color should I paint my exam rooms, and my lobby. I mean, that's got to be on everybody's mind, right? I, 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 there's a lot of discussion about this. Do you have an insight as to what can help me with my, or the exam room? What's going to calm all the animals down? Well, you Including know, once, the humans. Especially once humans. I um, decided I was going to paint my kennel and I was going to do it like uh, a preschool and I was going to make it really cheerful. Uh-huh. And, and it was green, like a crayon green and oh red God. and just really cheerful. And that was a really bad idea. So, um, <laughs> why, why? Well, why? I mean, we laugh, we laugh, right? But why was it a bad idea? Do you, well, think, do you it, think it caused a change in behavior? I don't know that I can't say for sure. I didn't do a scientific trial, but it kind of right. made it sort of stifling and scary in uh, there. Now, oh. studies do indicate that certain colors can be inflammatory. And if we think about it, you know, the bullfighters wave a red flag, you know. Yeah. So, although you have choices, but I have chosen to paint my facility in soothing colors, colors that are thought to be calm, not only for the pets but for the clients so because it's an anxious time to be at a veterinary hospital I have soothing music I have calm soothing colors on my walls Mm -hmm. I don't wear a white lab coat because everyone is associated that white coat syndrome you know that makes everybody on edge I don't do that so you're kind of jesting but I think there's some validity to that no, yeah. I, I actually am not, am not judging that there's been many discussions. Should we paint it a light blue? Should we paint it a light yellow? And, you know, I think that there's some, some you know, agriculture like that, 
that in gray, they will swear by blue and it for birds, especially birds. And, and yeah. blue makes them super calm. And, you know, I'm, I'm sort of a conservative kind of person and I, I'm not going to paint it red. Right. I don't think anybody right. is, but, but there may be, you know, I didn't know if you knew of any, some subtle differences between yellow and blue and gray. And I, I was assuming that, you know, the calmer, the color, the better for everybody. But just thought I'd ask since I have the, you know, the expert here on the line. The blue from the sky, that makes complete sense to me for birds. Uh-huh. Sure. Well, and then, so then I, I have another question too. And, and I mean, I guess maybe you've given us the information that I could arrive at an answer, but because of the, the way that you have tied it all back to the, the five senses, but you know, I guess it was a handful of years ago. Well, not a handful now. It's been a while. <laughs> a big, a big <laughs> a <while>. giant handful. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> like it's like like the yeah the giant that Jack found at the top of the beanstalk his hand right. full of years when we started recommending that practices separate cats and dogs as they're waiting for their visits and so you know some practices will have like cats on this side of the waiting room and dogs on the other side is that separated enough? Like, how, like, what should I do if I really want to use that as one of my tools to make it a better visit for both dogs and cats? How, like, how far do I have to go? Well, I actually kind of eliminated my waiting area, my reception area, when I remodeled what? my practice. That's what? pretty far. <laughs> yeah, that, so far. I have a... I have a small retail area, but it is not a place where live animals wait. That's a recipe for disaster. You've got cats in boxes, dogs on leashes, bottlenecks oh, of clients. Oh, Dr. Prim, you don't have to tell me. I love everything infectious. I am fully aware of the Petri dish known as the lobby. <laughs> right. Well, so mine is minimized. And when the clients and we schedule, you know, in a way where we kind of know who's coming. Yeah. But when a client arrives, especially with a cat, we put them directly into the exam room. So the oh, cat wow. doesn't have to experience the dogs because I treat dogs and cats. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So, so just separating. So do you have, is that exam room like only for cats? It is. Okay, so a dog never comes into that feline paradise known as your exam room. Never does a dog go into the cat room. Occasionally we get really full and a cat yeah. will have to go into an, an exam room that has been attended by a dog, but never does a dog go into the cat room. Whoa, whoa. The cats are loving that. Wow. They, they do seem to, and, and it's got a window with the window seat, like I said. So, yeah. and it's kind of. Oh, yes. I, I meant to bring that up. I forgot about that. I think that's the number. That is such an awesome, and maybe I'm just way behind the times, but it's such an awesome addition if you can do that. That just, I've never seen one, but just thinking about a window seat for a cat while you do an exam, I mean, excellent. With a bird situation on the outside, that is well thought of. If the sun oh, could is, shine. I would love to see that in action. That's if, fantastic. And also, if the sun could shine like all day long on that window seat, so that the cat could bask a right. little bit. I mean, I'm assuming that she has a fake sun on the outside. For, so even on rainy days, there's a sun there, right? So right, we are thinking that Dr. Prim might control the sun, the moon, and maybe maybe some of the stars. Could because, be. <laughs> these are incredible tips. And, you know, as an owner, I think that I would start to look for these little, you know, these because they're kind of subtle things that you're describing. They're not They're not super hard to do. So I would think that most practitioners could do it. So as an owner, I might start looking for that in a practice. I mean, do you recommend that for owners? To look for a practice that prioritizes the way their pet sees things? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, when you say it like that. <laughs> you say it like that, it's a no-brainer. <laughs> 
<laughs> Why would you go anywhere else? Hello. Hello. <laughs> yes. And so that leads me actually to my other my other tip for those in the Candyverse who are listening is that in our Vet Candy Guide to Happy Customers, there's also lots of great marketing tips for practitioners and practice managers. And I think as an owner, you can use that guide. You can just reverse those. And instead of doing taking those actions, I think you look for a practice that's taking those actions. And those, again, are from Vet Candy's own founder and CEO and marketing guru. Guru, Dr. Jill Lopez. She's gathered those from folks such as Dr. Prim and and through her own experience. And uh, and I think I think that's a little bit of a novel approach uh, looking for marketing that. So okay, Dr. Prim, is there any one tip that you think practitioners miss all the time that you want to share with us as we come to a close on our discussion of happy veterinary practice visits? Well, you know it, it's be an animal, right? Mm -hmm. So I think that the one thing that is missed most, and I'm in my practice now a lot, and I'm not in a lot of other practices, but I think uh, addressing the fear of existing patients in addition to the one that you're seeing right that minute is Uh something that's easy to do. Like your post-surgical patients, which are Uh experiencing some anesthetic uh, excitement phase or what have you. And then the ones coming in the front door hearing that, I think addressing the issues of the pets that are already there. Or maybe you have a boarding dog that is anxious in the boarding kennel and here you come with another dog and then everybody's anxious and it just becomes sort of infectious. Oh, it's like my niece and my two nephews. If one of them was screaming and unhappy, it would get all over the other one. Isn't that right, Jason? That never happens. I don't. I don't know what you're talking about. That's uh, that's Come that's on. untrue for kids. That's not excitement. Is not contagious. I use pheromones and blue paint and all kinds of good smelling stuff. So my, they're very calm. So. Oh, I just use candy. <laughs> okay, <laughs> gotta work too. That, that's why Aunt Jen's their favorite. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Okay, but I digress. But still, it, it is, I think, as you mentioned, Dr. Prim, these are easy things that I think everyone can tailor to their practice or tailor for their pet. Because I think the Great Dane is going to see something a little differently than the Frenchie. And and ever, the cat sees it different than everybody else. So I think that uh, that's how we have to we have to approach this sort of thing. So, Dr. Jason, do you have any other parting questions for Dr. Prim while we no, have No, but I, I am looking forward to the video of everyone crawling around on the clinic floor at different levels with a camera on their head just to show the commitment that the staff has to making the animal. <laughs> and I would seriously put that on a loop, right? That is yes. awesome. That is fantastic. Look what we, how much we care about, you know, comfort for your animal while they're in this clinic situation. So really Jason, good. I want to see that on, on the website very soon. Jason, I want to see that on Facebook watch for vet candy. I want to see you checking out, yep. checking out a clinic for Dr. Prim's tips on being it's, an animal. It's no problem. Dr. Prim, send me a ticket. I'll come right over there and do it right now. No problem. <laughs> Well, you wouldn't find anything scary in my clinic. You need yeah, to go you to still find a, a, a different. Yeah, that's right. Well, you know, quality control. Quality control is what it, the name of the game. That's right. That's right. Well, thank you, Dr. Prim, so much for joining us today and enlightening us in the Candyverse, how we can really make the world a, a much happier place for our patients and for our pets and, in the end, for our veterinarians. Thank you so very much, and uh, we will... See you guys next time um, in the Candy Burst News Hounds. We'll see you on uh, In Other News the next episode. All right. Thanks for listening. Let's Talk Pets every week on demand only on PetLifeRadio.com.